Hello, everybody. Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And you've heard us talk a lot about technocracy on this show, transhumanism, the Great Reset. Well, we kind of have the father of uh, most of these uh, subjects. That's Patrick Wood. He'll be joining us in just a moment. And we're going to go through things like the vaccine passport, genetic takeover of human beings, and We've covered a little bit of that uh, on our TV show, but I really wanted to get this out to our radio audience and onto our podcast, and this is going to be a really interesting and informative interview. But first, first we got to take care of just a little bit of business here. If Ukraine hasn't taught you anything, it should have taught you the fact that uh, these people in war-torn areas are running out of food, clean water is a challenge, and so what I say to you is you got to get storable food. And My Patriot Supply, which we represent here, has held the line on prices. That's probably the only industry in America where you can say that. And they have good discounts still in addition to holding the line on the prices, 25-year shelf life. I've tasted the food. I could live on this food, 2,000 calories per day. Go to preparewithdave.com and order as much as you can. And, 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 folks, my margin of profit on this is small. We make a lot more money on other things. I'm doing this as a public service, and I'm telling you, if there was any cause right now with the shape of the world and society to max out your credit card on something, this is what I would do it on. Uh, fortunately, we're pretty well stocked here with our food, but you really can't put this off. Do you want to trust a government to feed you in a crisis that left 9,000 Americans behind in Afghanistan? I don't think so. And if you have food, you got to have water. And the problem is, is you really can't store enough to help you through a very long crisis. So what you need to do is have good water filtration. And the best water filter out there, according to the research, is the Alexa Pure Pro water filter. And it's on sale. They, too, have held the price. They have not increased. In fact, they got a sale. But I will tell you this. They run out traditionally. Whenever there's a world or national crisis, they always sell out. And I'm telling you, I don't think this is going to be any different. And you may have to scavenge for water if we lose the grid, if Putin makes good on these promises. And that means swimming pools, streams, lakes, and whatever. You can do that, but I would suggest you get more than one. The old saying is two is one and one is none. We have three in our family. Go to waterwithdave.com for more information. You'll see the specials they have there, too. So the food is food with, excuse me, preparewithdave.com, and the water is waterwithdave.com. And we, I really sincerely hope you take preparation to heart because this government would not hesitate to use food and water against you to gain compliance. So I, I hope that you really do take this to heart. Well, our guest, Patrick Wood, I would call him the father of the study of technocracy. And he's been on this since before it was even in the genre of the alternative media. And we've interviewed on this topic a lot of times, and there's some outgrowths now to technocracy, and I would classify vaccine passports as one of those. Would, would you agree with me on that assessment, Pat? Yes, and I would. And, and, and Dave, it's kind of funny. I did an interview with a, a, a podcaster down in South Africa, a very good one, I might add, too. And he introduced me in the shortest way possible. He says, we're talking with Patrick Wood, the living expert on technocracy. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yes. I didn't I didn't quite know how to take it. Well, I'm still living. That's a good thing. Uh, but it kind of it kind of took away all the rest of my resume. Said, "Let's get right to it." And that's kind of how I feel too. And 
So I, I'm glad that you agree with my assessment. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here. But let's get into the vaccine passport yes. because Biden and Nancy Pelosi took away all the mask requirements, except on airplanes, of course. Mm-hmm. But they said, hey, we're learning to live with it now. Of course, it's an election year and that has nothing to do with it. But uh, why are we doing vaccine passports if we're coming out of the cloud, so to speak? Isn't this a good question? We know this has been an initiative, a technocrat initiative that's been underway for years. It's not, in fact, it was even way before uh, the uh, pandemic hit 2020. And the, you know, the companies behind it are companies like you'd expect it, Microsoft and Amazon and, you know, uh, the World Economic Forum. They're all looking for a global, a universal global ID where everybody can be identified and and immediately, uh, you know, transparent to the authorities, you know, all records attached to that identity, et cetera. And so the pandemic has been the vehicle that has, uh, you know, brought this whole program forward because, of course, they told us, well, you need to have vaccine passports and be able to fly on planes and go into restaurants and stuff like that. And um, so uh, even while... Uh, the pandemic has kind of, you know, wound down just a little bit. People are really sick of it. I think it's what's actually happening. They said, we've had enough of this. We've got to get back to our life. But even even with uh, the, the visible decline of this, ooh, this global ID thing is just marching on like crazy. And uh, I was uh, rather taken back the other day when I uh, read an article that red states were quietly adopting the national vaccine passport. And I thought, Gee, I thought that maybe that had kind of been, had a kick in the teeth. And I took a look at it, Dave, and lo and behold, Arizona is one of those companies that has just accepted to, you know, um, to, to pass it around, the national vaccine passport idea. And I thought, whoa, wait a minute. Who did that? How could this possibly happen? Right under our noses, and nobody heard a thing about it. I never heard a word about it. But here it is. All of a sudden, the contract has been signed with this uh, company that's going to do it. And Arizona, supposedly red state, is going to be a participant in this. And the uh, other country, other states around the country are also adopting this. Uh, California, of course, and New Mexico and Colorado. Do you expect that? Utah. <laughs> no, Utah. Yeah, Utah. And it just goes on and on. It's crazy. What about Florida and Texas? Are they accepting this too? Yes. They're missing right now. But but I'll tell you what, what this tells you is that the pinstripe suit type people uh, with the Microsofts, with the IBMs, et cetera, who are promoting this so-called smart health card, they're going around to all the states. All 50 states are under active sales processes to get this in. And apparently what's happening, since state legislatures are not involved in this, you have the governor of the state working with the health department of the state, which has a mini Fauci, uh, typically in every state, working behind the scenes. And they're just simply going and signing these contracts and saying, well, this is what we're going to do. We need to have these vaccine passports, the national vaccine passport in our state. So they just sign up the contract, say, hey, let's get let's get on board with it. No public comment, no public awareness or knowledge at all in, in advance. It just shows up on the map all of a sudden. Oop, yep, you're part of the national vaccine map passport. So, you know, we can't get rid of this stuff. You know, once it comes in, it's going to be horribly difficult without legislation, you know, legislator 
um, uh, action to reverse it, it could be very hard to get out of it because the contract's been signed. The um, it's, just, it's mind-boggling, but I'm not surprised in Arizona because I've documented not only is Ducey China's best friend here in Arizona, but he also is on the board of TGen. Total conflict of interest in his role as governor, and TGen has vaccine-related uh, uh, interests. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's not surprising. And by the way, he should be investigated right now by our attorney general in Arizona, Mark Brnovich, for mm -hmm. conflict of interest. But it just the ship just sails on, and he's just like Hillary Clinton. No matter how many crimes he commits, you know he keeps getting away with them. So let's at, let's get down to the details. Do you know what the extent of enforcement's going to be? Have no idea. They, of course, they always say it's voluntary, right? You, you everything has happened since 1992. Yeah. It's all voluntary, right? Mm -hmm. Now nobody enforced you. Nobody forced you to do this. But Pat <laughs> Fauci said we would never be required to wear face masks, and yep. Biden said the same thing about vaccines. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, the idea will be ultimately if some if some store decides or, you know, big box store or whatever decides that you have to have a vaccine passport or one of these uh, smart health cards to prove your vaccination status, um, you won't get into shop there unless you show them the card. Well, it's just voluntary. You don't have to do it, but you don't have to shop at that store either. You know, so, uh, you know, they, they bring the squeeze on to force you into compliance eventually. Because eventually people go, no, I'm sick of this. I'm, I need to get on with my life. I need to have access to these stores, whatever. Oh, phooey, I'm just going to go and get a smart health card, and then you're tagged, and then you're in the system for life. Amazing. Um, I thought the Supreme Court ruling would have come into play here, but I guess not. No, it has not, and they're just ignoring it. And, of course, the companies driving this, like the Microsofts, like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, so on, the, the organizations driving this whole thing could care less about governments. They could care less about courts. They could care less about any legislation whatsoever. They are running a lot, essentially a lawless operation, getting away with anything they can as long as they can, and they care less about the law. They don't care what the law says. They're just doing it. Hmm. What recourse do the people have? At this point, at least in Arizona, the only recourse is to try and persuade some courageous senator to introduce a bill to stop Ducey in his tracks, in the health department in the tracks. They know we're not going to do that here. Uh, will that happen? I have a feeling it won't, <laughs> but it could. Well, no, the pharmaceuticals have just come in and throw money at the state reps. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it'd be very difficult to get this thing reversed at this point, but it would take, it would, the only way to do it is to, for, from a state legislative point of view. I might, you know, I might add incidentally that any city in Arizona or anywhere else in the country, if the city council were woken up to this whole plan with the national vaccine passport thoughts, they could write a binding resolution at the city level to block this from being implemented in their city. They could do that. Will they do it? That depends on citizens. Most citizens don't have a seat at the table at all in their city to you know, put up a, f a fight on this. But if a city understood what, what was at risk here and that their citizens were gonna be harmed 
and that the city was going to be harmed in general, they could throw up a nice little firewall to this, say, nope, you're not going to do it here. You may do it everywhere, everywhere else in the state. You're not going to do it in our city. Would a city like Phoenix do that? No. Tucson? No. Prescott? Maybe. You know, but well, they're controlled by George Soros operatives in Prescott. I know. You know, Soros yeah. was very, uh, very shrewd when he went out and passed out campaign money to attorney generals mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or attorneys general. And also, uh, you know, DAs. And... <laughs> yes, yes, and district attorneys, exactly. Because you know I, I, I think the case exists now, if there were any enforcement on this, a DA could say, well, on behalf of the Supreme Court ruling, no, no, you're not going to be allowed to do that. We're going to sue you for it. Mm-hmm. But then we're, I, we're not going to see that. I, I, I get that. So um, do you know in Arizona, for example, do you, do you know what, not the propaganda, but do you know how many people really are vaccinated and how this uh, ruling by Ducey will actually be defined as fully vaccinated? How many boosters do you have to have and so forth? Do you have any answers? I, I know. That? Well, I get my news from the uh, highway billboards, Dave. Uh, you know, the electronic signs over the freeway, they, oh, yeah. they, they tell us everything we need to know about how many are vaccinated. I think it's up to 6 million mm. now, they say. Oh, yeah, I know. 6 million. <laughs> I know. And, and they say, contact your doctor because your doctor says it's safe. I, I just, and we're paying for these signs to, to, to carry these messages. Um, I know. They used to tell us how far it was to the whatever intersection, but now it's, uh, no, it's all about vaccine information. Yeah, it, it is disgusting, and I'm tired of hearing it. I know. It's hard to yeah. see in it. Yeah, see, I know. The media is still incessant with it. But, you know, the regular people are are um, are affected, too. Um, there are two people that used to have Christmas parties. Every, and I went to their Christmas party every year for almost 30 years. And I didn't get the invitation this year. Uh -huh. And then they put out a uh, email, mass email to people. If you're not vaccinated, then you are a threat to society. Yeah, mm -hmm. and these are people I was friends with for 30 years, and all of a yeah. sudden I'm not invited to anything. And I think they just assumed I wasn't vaccinated because yeah. I'm rather outspoken, you know, in the media. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's funny how it, it's it's filtered down to where we have like a walking legion of Karens out there designed to help them enforce something yes. that one it doesn't stop the spread, two it doesn't mm -hmm. stop you from catching it once you have the vaccine. Right. So what the hell is the big deal? Yes. I expect that you've heard this as well, but I've heard from uh, multiple uh, experts, doctors, you know, researchers, whatever, epidemiologists that that are kind of really studying this with an open mind. Uh, I've heard that the, uh, the they're they're thinking that the the numbers of people vaccinated are way overstated. Yes, I agree with that, too. And uh, that there aren't nearly as many people actually been vaccinated as they say have been vaccinated. Uh, that means, again, that just proves the point that it's a propaganda campaign. You know, they want to get everybody to go along. So they say, oh, you know, everybody's done it. So you should, too. That's not true. Everybody hasn't done it. And there's a lot of people that haven't. And whatever the whatever the numbers are, whatever the epidemiologists are looking at, I guess you know they they look at the numbers that are reported. And they say, you know what, this is just out of whack, um, and you know they're overstating the number of people that have actually been vaccinated. So, uh, if you want to look, actually, I think probably if you want to look at something relatively in line, look at Israel. 
because Israel has been tracking this, so has Pfizer in Israel. They have an exclusive contract with Pfizer to be vaccinated there. They're way up over the 90% level, and uh, they're paying for it now. They're big time paying for it. The hospitals are still full. People are still getting sick and dying, but not from the vaccine. It's not from any virus at this point. It's from the vaccine. The vaccine's killing them. <laughs> yeah, well, I told uh, you in our pre-air discussion, you know, I know Tom Rents, uh, the attorney for the frontline doctors, and uh, they, uh, in part of his lawsuits, they go out and they do discovery. So they go to the emergency rooms, and they're looking at who's in intensive care and so forth for, yeah. for COVID, and and almost 80% of them have been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that's right. There, this is actually counterproductive to, 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 to the effort to have people do this. But it, it's so disturbing because we live now in a medical dictatorship. Yeah. Um, so what's the deal? You don't get to vote. You don't get to buy a car. Like, how far is this going to go, Pat? Well, you know, my, my friend, my late friend, Rosa Corey, um, would state at the end of her talks that this is about control over every conceivable facet of life including your thoughts. And that's where it's headed. This is this is the heartbeat. This is the nature of technocracy. It has been from day one when it was first coined at Columbia University, which back then was the most progressive university in America, bar none. And, uh, you know, you look back at that and you say, well, okay, yeah. They, they wanted to control everything. They were so sure that they could control everything with what they call the science of social engineering that they wanted to do away with all political systems altogether. They, huh. they didn't want any political system. They created an organization chart, like a corporate org chart, and said, this is what we want in America, or in North American con- uh, Technate, they called it. And it started with a continental director, and then it had you know, directors, vice presidents, and then it had other division directors and stuff below that. It was a cotton-picking org chart, just like you'd find at uh, you know, Ford Motor Company or or Chase Manhattan Bank or whatever, you know? It's like, that's crazy. This is how crazy it was, Dave. They just wanted to do stuff straight off and control everything, everybody, all consumption, all production, all movement, everything from cradle to grave. And that's exactly what we see today. It's exactly what we see today. Yeah. This is where it's going. This is why this is why I say so so pointedly, and I'm getting to the point where I don't care anymore. But I, in a way, you call it whatever you want to call it. I guess some people have lots of different names. So on the one hand, people say, "Oh, it's fascism," and they say, "Well, it's communism." You know, not really. It's technocracy. But if you want to call it some name, give it a name. I mean, call it you know Rumpelstiltskin. It's it's just look at what's going on. Okay, this is what's going on. Total control. That's where it's headed. Yeah, well, I I would agree with that, and that's the uh, we've talked about this many times before. That's the goal of technocracy is total control. So this really grows out of the technocratic mindset. It does, and but, you know what? Com- communists never said, "Let's get rid of government structure." They never said that, not once ever, because there's politicians in control of it. These people are not politicians. Like, look at Fauci. You know, he's not a politician. He's a technocrat. He just says, "If I say it, you got to do it." It's like, well, I got science. Science becomes a god, and that god could be made to say anything that he wants him to say. 
and you don't need government to figure that out. You know, it just you know you don't need you don't need a president, you don't need Congress, you don't need agencies necessarily even. Just you know, the science says you should do X, so get busy. <laughs> just do it. You'll be happy. You know, I'm, I, as I'm thinking about this mandate that's coming with the va- the passports, I, I can see where parents may not want their kids to get vaccinated so they don't so they can't go to school cps shows up and steals their kids mm-hmm. that's happened in some countries by the way and the pressure is on you know they're not doing it here yet but the pressure is on in that direction they're if gonna you have don't to remove, comply they're gonna have to remove homeschooling for this yeah, to we'll, really be we'll fully effective you. yeah yeah you know germany removed homeschooling a long time ago they did and fortunately if there's any good silver lining to the pandemic is that homeschooling the homeschooling community is is up by a factor of four yeah. in the last two years uh that probably is only a, a foretell that yeah there's going to be a point where they don't put up with that anymore <laughs> they're going to say no more homeschooling but right now there's a lot of people that are homeschooling their children that would never think about it two years ago but think about this even if you homeschool your kids they can't play in any youth sports. They can't go to movies. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll be deprived of childhood. It'll be like they're in their own lockdown again. Well, in a sense, you're right. And only the other homeschool families can create community. And you see that happening, too. I, I, we were involved with homeschooling from almost the beginning of the movement. And you, you see families getting together for their own events and stuff, like maybe some common classes, maybe somebody's a biology teacher and they can do some biology experiments, or maybe they're going to go on a hike or something or take a field trip. Uh, you know, there's lots of activities that parents can organize with other homeschoolers. It's important, therefore, to get plugged in. Don't just do it and stay isolated. Get plugged into the community of other people right around you who are homeschooling and get to know them. And, uh, you know, let the kids uh, interact and play with each other and stuff and, and, you know, organize those field trips and go do interesting things. You can't even do that in public school today. You know, there's field trips. Forget it. I mean, even if they have one, it, it, it's pretty much a joke if you got to wear a mask everywhere and, you know, uh, you know, sit on a school bus and don't move. Put your mask on. You know, don't 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 look out the window. Um you know, homeschoolers can get away with a lot of stuff that public schools will never, ever give them. That's true. But you go on field trips, you're going to places that could require the passport. No, they can. And they and they might. They might They might in time. You're absolutely right. Uh, so, you know, yeah, it just, it, uh, you know, th- this is kind of a parallel type of, a, of, of an economy type or an education system in a way. You just have to figure out what you can do without compromising your own principles and stuff. Yeah, and, let, me, uh, let me give you another example, okay? You need a driver's license to drive. What mm-hmm. if you can't go in DMV without a passport? That's true. That's true. Can't, yep, see, can't see a doctor. Yeah. Well, this is this was true uh, down at the Capitol, certainly. You couldn't get in there without uh, not only going through the metal detector, but... Uh, you had to have your mask, and I don't know if they ever acquired vaccine status to get in the Capitol, but that means you couldn't visit, couldn't visit your, your legislators. Uh, <laughs> couldn't even go in and make a protest. Wow. There's no end to this, is there? I mean, it's going to be all-encompassing. Well, it already is all-encompassing, and the battle is on. And uh, I, I wrote early on in the pandemic, going back to January of 2020, that this was technocracy's coup d'etat. 
I saw it clearly back then, Dave, and I, I've expressed to you before why. It was yeah. the global warming crowd, the global alarmist crowd that, uh, that we had been dealing with up to that point. They had run out of steam, by and large. They couldn't even get poor little Greta Thunberg to, to get a, a response at the United Nations when she stamped her feet and said, your house is on fire. Um, they just ran out of steam. When the COVID thing came along, all of those nutcakes involved with climate alarmism jumped the, tr the rails and jumped over onto the pan uh, pandemic track. And the computer models, the scientists, the same universities, you know, like in England, um, especially, they were the ones that jumped on and pumped the propaganda. They pumped the fear and accept that the word pandemic would be exchanged for global warming, there was no difference. It was the same crowd, same MO, same whole thought, same outcome, drive people into sustainable development. So this was just kind of a switch of uh, focus from global warming, which is just hysterical, uh, data corruption, data scandals left and right, uh, screwy computer models, Al Gore running around saying we're all going to die in 12 years and whatever. Um, these people are the ones that have promoted this whole scam-filled pandemic. That was a coup d'etat. That's where it started. They finally got something they could get traction on after running out of steam with, with global warming. It just didn't work for them anymore. I wonder how much compliance there's going to be. I think there's going to be a lot of non-compliance. I think a lot of people are absolutely going to, on, on the inside, they're not going to comply. On the outside, they may comply, but on the inside, they're not going to comply. And more and more people now have come out, even on the outside, and said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to comply there either. Am I uh, mistaken, since I live in Arizona, to say Ducey's in cover-up mode since I haven't seen anything in the news about this? Oh, yes, absolutely. The only thing I saw recently was that he said he's not going to run for a senator. <laughs> so, okay. Otherwise, I haven't seen Hyde or Hero. Uh, honestly, I haven't seen uh, Michael Crow in the news yet either recently, so maybe the two of them are off on a vacation in Mexico somewhere. Who well, knows? you know, Michael Crow, CIA, and Obama's one of his best friends. Oh, yeah. You knew that, I, though, didn't you? I did. I, it's stunning. He's the president the head, of Arizona State University. Folks, the head of Arizona State University is chairman of Incutel, which is the venture capital company that was started and is still run by the CIA. And you you got to ask, why would the CIA be interested in a venture capital fund? It's like that is, you know, it doesn't make any sense it to does, anybody. It does to me off the books funding. Ah, no yes, oversight right. by Congress. That's right. Exactly right. And the technology that these startups that they produce, uh, the, the, the technology comes out of it, they get first crack at it to implement it for the, secure, for the sake of the security state. This is why ASU has moved to the front of the line on so many technological interventions. Oh, yes. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. And you know the the smart region uh, concept that came out of ASU and some other another NGO that they started here locally, they set up these um, these new uh, like tech regions around the Phoenix area, where they uh, were early adopters of 5G and they they kind of opened it up like you know like a sandbox sort of thing where 
hey, young tech company just starting up, why, you could come here to Phoenix and we'll give you an office in one of these special little sandbox areas and you can do whatever the heck you want to do. And you can test your new idea and technology on the people that happen to live in that zone. Of course, we didn't ask them if they wanted to be experimented on. But you can go sure. there and you can experiment. If you get anything really hot, why, we can help you roll it out to the rest of the country. No, I know. This is insanity. What, what, uh, what just preposterous ego these people have to think that they can play with people's lives in these communities that they set up all by themselves. Nobody asked them to do that. But you they've know, done it all over town now. I, I forget how many I'll, sites I'll, there are now, but there's tons of them. I want to give you an example how intrusive this is. I um, was, my son and I used to take annual vacations to Colorado to play golf. And we'd tour the golf mm. courses in the Denver metro area. And that's originally where I'm from. And so we're out late one night, and we're gonna we're going into a, a play area, you know, a theme park kind of thing. And it's 11:30 at night. My phone rings, and I've no idea who it is. And it said uh, Arizona State. And the guy was stupid to call me from um, university phone. And he said, "Do you have any idea how I got your number, Mr. Hodges?" Hmm. And I said, "Is this a joke or a prank? Do I know you? Has someone put you up to this?" And he says, no, I, I'd like you to, to guess how, how someone who works at ASU, how I could get your phone number that's highly unlisted and, and, and your, it's your cell phone. And I said, I give up. He said, because you're on a list. Hmm. And I said, what list would this be? Now, this is about a year and a half after I started my website. Yeah. And, and he said, a list of dissident Americans that you're being surveilled. He goes, you share the list with people like Steve Quayle and Alex Jones. I said, oh, I feel honored because they're very prominent in their field. And this is, you know, before my audience took kind of a quantum leap. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, this guy's going on talking, and he's talking about the technology and how they do it. He said, here's how we spy on you. And I said, okay, let me stop you. I said, first of all, I got to go play games with my kid. But let me ask you a question. Why is it you're deciding to call me now at 11.30 at night and, and you're telling me these things? He said, because I'm opposed to it. He said, I'm a Christian. He says, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. He said, but it goes back to who Michael Crow is, blah, 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 blah. And I said, so I'm on a list. Big deal. What are they going to do, audit me? And he says, no, someday they might round you up and they might even kill you. And he says, I've heard these discussions. And I said, wait a minute. In a public university, you're telling me that you're privy to conversations about rounding people up that they're illegally surveilling. And he said, yes. Mm -hmm. So I said, would you come on my show and talk about this? Can I come on anonymously? I said, yes, but you have to identify the institution. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had it all set up. And he was a no-show and then contacted me two days later and says, I decided I couldn't do it because I don't want to be on the list, too. Yeah, this yep. is this is folks the, the, I'm telling this story here Pat's not surprised by this but I know a lot of people in the audience are now that's that's a true story folks and and uh, this this is how your country has been turned against you yes our country has been weaponized every agency every every university uh, many cities many counties many states have been absolutely turned against the citizens of uh, of their of their whatever respective jurisdictions 
And the only way we can throw this off is by, in my opinion, is by taking action at a local basis. Every one of these people at the higher level came out of a local situation. Every single one. Yes. And you, we, the only way we can turn it around is by going back to our local areas and finding people, uh, building relationships with people that we know and that we can vet correctly and, and help educate them, help keep them supported in the policies that they bring to you. But we're going to find out, Americans are going to find out eventually that it wasn't about politics per se. It was about policies because policies are what affect us. Whatever the politicians do in terms of legislation, et cetera, et cetera, is one thing. But the policies that get implemented are what affect us and what control us. And the only way out of it is to change the policies. Sometimes that means changing the legislator, right, or whatever the, the governing body. But we need to change the policies in our local communities to drive this garbage out and this thinking out. It's the only way we can turn it around, if it's going to be turned around. But Pat, the problem is, is the people who are the controllers of the policies are unelected bureaucrats that serve from administration to administration, That's and right. they're beyond the reach of the people. What do we do about that? Well, they, they are and they aren't. In a local situation, they are not beyond the reach of the people. In a state, in a state uh, situation, they probably are. And at a national uh, view, they certainly are out of reach. But on a local basis, that's not true. Most okay, of the tell, people, tell me how we could put these bureaucrats under local control. Well, sure. You know, every every one of these people that got hired was hired by somebody, and according to certain standards that they were supposed to perform. Now, if you come in, let's say somebody was hired ten years ago, and all the politicians around then have left, and there's a new crop of politicians. Those politicians have the, have the power to fire that person just as certainly as they had to hire him in the first place. But somebody needs to go in, citizens need to go in and say, you know what, old Joe Schmo over here, he is doing the wrong thing. He's harming our community, he's harming the people in our community, and he's costing us money, and he's bringing in these companies that are abusing us, et cetera, et cetera. We need to get rid of him and get him fired. It's just, I mean, really, it's just that simple. The person, the people that have the power to fire also had the power once upon a time to hire. You know, at a state level, you really can't get that close to people to, to want to, you know, to get them to get them fired. Sometimes you can, but often you can't. But at a local basis, you can because you can go down and meet with city council people. You can meet with the mayor, perhaps if it's not a giant town like Phoenix, you won't meet with the mayor there probably. Well, you wouldn't for sure. They wouldn't let you in the door. <laughs> you know, Pat, I'm going to digress just for a second. I want you to hear this. And you're kind of touching on this a little bit. Kate Gallego, who's the radicalized, extreme left, could be a member of the squad in Congress, mayor of Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I just came across this. She was trained by Klaus Schwab in the Young Leaders Program that yeah. the World Economic Forum runs. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's yeah. all. Here's why I'm telling you this. Uh, I agree with you. You can't have an impact in large cities. I don't think. I think in smaller suburbs and rural communities you can in the way you described. But here Kate Gallego, the mayor of Phoenix, is trained to be a globalist, and she's only a mayor. That's how far down the reach has come. Yes, it is. It is. You're right. It it, it has trickled down. And this was this was the, you know, I have to go, I go all the way back to 1974, by the way, when, when, uh, 
Richard Gardner wrote that article, um, The Hard Road to World Order. He talked about an end run around national sovereignty, not a frontal approach, but an end run around national sovereignty. And this is what we've seen ever since. When Agenda 21 came into play, they never went, they didn't go to nations, na the heads of nations, they went to the cities, they went to the counties, and they converted them under the nose of the sitting bodies higher than that, who never paid any attention. And all of a sudden, well, he said it's voluntary after all, all of a sudden, all these cities across America, hundreds of them, were sucked into this Agenda 21 policy stuff, all the sustainable development and the environment and you know, light rail and, uh, you know, property, uh, property policy, zoning policies, et cetera, building committees. And all this stuff came in from outside our country straight into our cities. And it's like, you know, taking fentanyl in and saying, hey, free fentanyl for everybody, man. You want to check it out, try it once. You love it. And America got affected with this stuff that way from the local basis. So they know. They always know. Go after the l lowest possible level. That's why I'm certain, that's why George Soros decided to go after the district attorneys around our country, which is just a low-level position. It really is. But how important are district attorneys? Well, we're finding out they're pretty darn important. They let criminals go. You know, they should be in jail for life. Mm -hmm. They let them out so they can kill somebody else or rape somebody else as soon as they get out. <laughs> you know, you when you get down to the, when they get down to the local level and they take over, they throw they'll throw up every roadblock they can to keep you and I from penetrating the wrong and correcting it. But even attorney general, even a DA doesn't last forever. It's election process. Get rid of the bum or bums. The problem is dominion. Do you see uh, yeah. the voting machine? practices as an extension of technocracy absolutely absolutely i do these these people have uh, you know i when i look at te you know technocracy like who's involved with it or not i judge it by uh the technocrat mind if i see the technocrat mindset being exhibited by somebody in in the tech world or even operating like they are within kind of the political world sell products to them when i see the technocrat mindset then I know we're dealing with technocrat. That kind of makes sense, right? But I've, yes. I've been studying the technocrat mind for a long time. And uh, Dominion and other companies like them that are operating in the space have a purely technocrat mindset about what they're doing. They cannot do any wrong. They think they're absolutely doing right. There's a, there's a technical solution for every problem. It doesn't matter what the problem is. They have an app for that. <laughs> you know, it's like, you could just plan on it. Oh, well, there's an app for that. Yeah, and that's I, what they've I done. I know. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Totally institutionalize their approach. Um, I want to lay out my one of my major concerns today, and have you respond to it from a technocracy perspective. Um, Putin lined up his forces in Ukraine um, 11 months ago. That's when they started the gathering. And I'm not saying Putin doesn't have a right to be concerned about missiles that close to Moscow, Ukraine going NATO. That is a national concern, security concern for him, but he sure as hell didn't handle it the right way. But that aside, you've got this situation now where uh, we have a president that comes in to this country and he puts us in a deficit economically, a severe deficit, by making us energy dependent. And one of the two nations we're most energy dependent on is Russia, 
but at the same time we're confronting Russia and all we had to do to take away Putin's ability to maintain a war effort was to cut off his oil and get our allies to go along with it but we're not doing that and to do that you'd have had to restart energy so you know like the Keystone pipelines I think you see where I'm going with this um, is it true and this is my conclusion and I want you to comment on this from a technocracy standpoint so is it true that this present administration would risk a nuclear war will risk us being defeated in a, tra in a traditional war you know non-nuclear will risk absolute economic collapse in the name of the green fever god the cult of uh, climate change because that's what they're doing by not producing oil and shutting off putin's mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so what, what well, tell me tell me how you respond to that from a technocracy standpoint well the united nations declared uh, five well 2015 that was Christiana Figueres who organized the Paris Climate Agreement. She said that, very bluntly, that the United Nations was interested in, in creating a new economic order to get rid of capitalism altogether, free market economics, and to implement sustainable development, which I argue is technocracy. It is. She just, she just, let, she just laid it out, said, this is what, we have a timetable, we have an intention to do it, and by golly, we're gonna do it. So. Ever since then, it was very clear that she reiterated what the early technocrats said, that, tech, that, that the free market economic system must die in order for technocracy to take over. It has to be a scorched earth policy. They have to get rid of it. That's why Klaus Schwab talks about the Great Reset. You don't have a Great Reset without basically assuming a, a scorched earth uh, scenario. You don't say you're going to build back better unless your house is burned down. You first. just pulled the words out of my mouth, exactly. Yeah, that that's it. And uh, so there is a global predisposition of the people at the top to kill free market economics altogether, because that's the only way they can they can bring in sustainable development. So you know all of the things we're dealing with here. And every time we look at what's going on, well, is there going to be a nuclear war? I doubt there will be. But we see all the fractures being, uh, the, the fractures of our current economic system being talked about now and how much they need to be changed. Well, that's always been the talk ever since 1992. Well, we need to have sustainable development. I don't care what the problem you have is, the answer is sustainable development. That's technocracy. So when you see Russia all of a sudden uh, take tearing into Ukraine, you have to look a little bit below the surface figuring, okay, what what are these powers at the top really trying to accomplish here with him going in there like he is? And don't think he's not plugged into the global machine. He certainly is. Russia is still Russia, though. They, they have their own culture, their own you know issues and mentality about certain things, but they are still part of the global system. So... He goes in now, and there's a big, you know, big conflict going on. Everybody's looking at, uh, well, is there 6,000 dead Russian soldiers, and they're crying, and they're running out of food and energy and fuel and whatever. Okay, once you take off kind of that whole facade, you look at what's going on. Almost every article you read now, you hear talk about cyber this and cyber that, about the cyber attacks going on about anonymous shutting down the the, the russian uh space uh agency <laughs> even 
and you know all the different people we're hacking them they're hacking us and you know they've got into critical infrastructure we've got into their critical infrastructure how come everybody's talking about cyber warfare as if that's more important than physical warfare yeah and I honestly have to conclude well maybe cyber warfare really is more important to these people at this point than the physical war and you say well okay is there anything backing that up well how, how about take a look at cyber polygon for instance it's like a scripted scenario again kind of like event 201 was for the pandemic mm -hmm. cyber polygon is a scripted event or simulation about what happens when the world gets hacked what are you going to do well vaccine passports would be a good place to start and you have to build back better. <laughs> Global ID system would yeah. be a great place to start. There you go. We need to protect the citizens of our nation oh, from all these bad, bad people that are trying to hack us to death over here. The only way we can do that, the only way we can identify the bad guy is to first identify all the good guys. <laughs> this is crazy logic. If you identify all the good guys, then the bad guys really stand out, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I, I hear... <laughs> You're but, making a lot of sense. We need to step aside. Their, this for, is, honestly, this is their this is their worldview. This is the way a technocrat thinks. Well, they they are good at destroying things. That's uh, Fox News yeah. gets half the story right. I'll just say that they, they identify the destruction of things. They don't identify the philosophy behind it. We got to mm -hmm. step aside real quick for the, our last short break, ladies and gentlemen. Are you concerned about your bank? You should be, and if you have more than operating capital for a few months in there. We think you're making a mistake. I'm not saying it's 1929. I'm saying it could be worse than 1929 because in 1929, when you your money was in the bank, you still owned it. Today, court rulings say, no, they own it. They're just stewards, you know, and uh, you're a secured creditor. Ladies and gentlemen, they keep your money if the bank gets in trouble, even if they haven't crashed. So why would you give them all your money? Half, what are you getting, one-tenth of a percent interest? And your home loans cost what? Exactly. So you need to get into precious metals. Noble Gold can help you with this. It's not just about buying gold and silver. That's part of it. But there's all kinds of programs that they have to diversify your income. And I've become a customer of Noble Gold several times over as I've tweaked my portfolio. You don't have to be rich, but if you have a nest egg to protect, you owe yourself to, to contact Noble Gold. I'm going to give you the easiest way to do it. They won't even contact you. You have to call them, but you simply fill out a form and you request information be sent to you. And then if you decide you want to call them, then you'll find out more about the programs. Go to Gold Before Late, and the word before is spelled out, goldbeforelate.com and request your free information. You stay pat in the bank. There's going to be a lot of sorry people. Pat, along those lines, um, do, are you equally as concerned as I am about the um, well, should I put it this way, the viability of our banking system? Well, I am. And the banking system has been on edge ever since 2008. Uh, it's more so today, I think, than before. But they keep find, finding ways to kind of disguise what's really going on under the, under the surface. One good tell, I think, about how much the banking system is still needed was seen in uh, Canada when uh, Trudeau announced that he was going to use the Emergency Powers Act to, uh, to go out and, and slam people by freezing their bank accounts and by uh, 
you know, by going after the people who were giving money to them, too, and freeze their bank accounts. Uh, they even made a demand of uh, uh, that um, fundraising organization in the United States to stop doing that. That took a lot of brass for them to come in here and tell us what to do. But what happened the day that, that he announced uh, that he's going to do this Emergency Powers Act thing, overnight, the major banks in Canada shut down electronically. They shut down their their uh, their ATMs and their online banking and everything else. It's like, hey, what happened all of a sudden? Well, I'll tell you. There was a massive interest in drawing cash out of the bank before Trudeau could get at it. And uh, people all across the country went to their bank and said, I want my money. And uh, ATMs up there can't give out more money. I think the max you can get out on a, on a daily basis is five grand. And if somebody's a millionaire, that doesn't give you a whole lot of latitude. You take take you months, you know, to get all your money out. But uh, people were going to get at least emergency cash out of their banks, and the bank said, "Whoa, wait a minute here. You can't keep that up because if too many people request money at the same time, we have a run on the bank, and a run on a bank in our type of banking system could shut the bank down altogether." Is that because that of fractional reserve banking that they can loan out nine dollars for every dollar that comes in? That's right. Yeah, that's so. So every time, every time you withdraw $100 from the bank, the bank has to retire $1,000 worth of loans to somebody else. That's, that's the asset that backs it up, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. So if, uh, if people in America got spooked over the money uh, and they all went to the bank, let's say, at the very same time, and they uh, say they took out $500, I think that's about the ATM daily limit, uh, in most places, or maybe 300, 500. If everybody went and took out the maximum in a single day, 300 million people times whatever, uh, it likely would shut our entire banking system down. So they just simply cannot have that. They can't, they can't allow that to happen. So the confidence game still goes on. Keep the people pacified. Keep the people to where they keep their money in the bank. Don't take it out in cash. Use it electronically. There's a war on cash anyway. We've talked about that. And so... Uh, you know, plastic is good. Uh, credit card, debit card is good. Um, you know, Venmo, Cash App, all that stuff. Use that. That's good. It's all electronic. You know, even if you use uh, cryptocurrency, don't, you know, anything, but don't take the cash out of the bank. <laughs> so yeah, Exactly. Um, now, they can technically keep it, but of course, if they did that, there'd be more runs on the bank. It's, it's interesting how you're describing this. But by the way, people will tell me, Dave, there's the FDIC. If anything happens, we'll have insured money. And I said, have you checked the money lately? They have 1.2% of the money on hand they need to cover all the deposits. Right, right. And Maybe. by the way, you know about the G20 conference. I think it was in Brisbane in 2014 where they established the pecking order of refunds mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. a collapse bank. And you and I are not near the top of the list. We'll never see a dime. Nope, that's right. Uh, other people, other other claimants are above us for sure. That is one compelling reason, by the way, for anybody listening to this program, go out and check out a local credit union uh, as a better place to park your money than in an FDIC bank, especially the majors like the, you know, like the B of A's of the world and the Chase Manhattan or, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase, all that sort of stuff. Um, your, your money isn't necessarily 100 percent safe anywhere these days, even under your uh, mattress, it may not be safe, but. A local credit union might have a lot more flexibility and insulation for you yeah. than the big banks. And I think you'll get maybe another day or two warning 
when the stuff comes down on the banks. Because yes. I think credit card, credit, uh, excuse me, the uh, credit unions, I think they would uh, drag their feet a little bit on this stuff. Pat, t- tell us what you're involved in and how people can follow and help your work. Well, the best place, technocracy.news, of course, that's where all things technocracy. I'm still amazed that most of our traffic, half our traffic comes from overseas now. Uh, I'm also amazed that we're still the only dedicated, critical source of information on technocracy in this whole planet. Even in spite of the fact that more and more writers and journalists are talking about technocracy, you know where they're getting information from, Dave? From, from technocracy.news. I know. They get it from you. <laughs> I, I hear you. You know, every time I see an article that catches my eye on this topic and I look at the credit, it's always you. Yeah, it is. It's just amazing. It, it, it stuns me that more researchers and more you know publishing organizations don't see this and really get into it. On the other hand, I'm really glad that writers are talking about it. You know, you see articles appearing all over the place. You've got, you know, people like Steve Bannon on the war room talking about it now routinely. Uh, you've seen even, even Alex Jones has been talking about it. He doesn't credit me at all, but he's been talking about technocracy. Um, you know, it's, it, there's articles just now all over the planet that have been talking about this. And, and it, interesting, people in Europe get it. They, they'll talk about technocracy. They'll use that word. They use technocrat as a word all the time in Europe. In America, they're really hiding it because they really just kind of don't want it to be known. You know, like if, if, if the American public really kind of knew this stuff, they'd throw them out immediately. But um, it's really suppressed here. In fact, if you search for the word technocracy on Google, you won't find technocracy news as a source until you get down about page 12. And, and then you'll see technocracy.news. It was some article that I posted here. Google does not want technocracy.news to be discovered. You would think with a name like technocracy news for the last eight, year, eight or nine years that I would own that keyword. You would think that would be the very first thing that would ever come up if you search for technocracy on Google. But it doesn't. It's on page 12. On the other hand, you go to DuckDuckGo, you go to um, Brave Browser, you go to even to um, uh, to Bing and type in technocracy, and boom, right in the first five entries at the top of the page, you will see technocracy.news. Oh, yeah. I've written articles, and I've gone into the search engine on Google, and I've put my name in the title, mm-hmm. and it comes up sometimes on page 20. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, the, and the article's 10 minutes old. Yep. So, I mean, I, I've done those experiments. Yeah, it, it's it's very clear what they do. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. I, I um, in fact, actually, I did a YouTube uh, piece. Someone copied me, and published it as themselves. Yeah. And they got ten times the views I did, and I had ten times the subscribers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just yeah. I mean, it, it's it, this nonsense is everywhere. So, technocracy, not news. People can follow. Pat, I'm going to contact you shortly here because we didn't even get to genetic takeover, and we've got to. Uh, I want to cover that with you, but we are flat out of time, my friend. Understood. Understood. That is an important story, and I hope we can cover it sometime soon. We will. I'll be in touch. Thanks, Pat. You bet. Take care.